You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. So on today's show, we have Phi Guy and Phi Girl. So together they come on and do an interview, which is interesting for us. They have a current net worth of about $2.2 million, And two-thirds of that, they've invested about two-thirds. Some they have savings, but is invested in the S&P index fund and one-third international index fund. So they just kind of picked those two index funds and, divided, and decided to diversify their money that way. They're both 36 years old. They make about 250000 combined between them. And their goal is to create 50K of passive income and then retire in, in the next year or two. And so they talk about that journey and about what they're doing to be able to achieve that goal. One other last piece of interesting uh, information that they share is, is that buying their house was their biggest financial mistake and they talk about why that is and what they would have avoided and and kind of what they think about how their ha- how their house has been a mistake for them going forward. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with both of them. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today we have Phi Guy and Phi Girl on. Do you all want to just give us a little bit of rundown of, of your story and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. We'd, we'd love to. Um, so I'm, I'm Phi Girl. And uh, so Phi Guy and I actually met uh, 17 years ago while we were both broke college kids. Uh, and we were actually studying abroad in Australia at the time. And uh, we both have very similar backgrounds. Uh, we both attended the same business school and actually chose degrees in information technology. Uh, of course, uh, as luck would have it, uh, the time that we graduated was just in time for the dot-com bubble to burst. Uh, so we really started our careers uh, at the bottom. Um, we started actually with internships, but over the years, worked hard, uh, hustled uh, to increase our salaries. And uh, we both now are actually managers in uh, the technology profession. Um, and I'd say over the years, we've worked a lot of long, uh, weird, strange hours. Um, and after many years of doing that, we both got to a point where we recognized that, you know, despite being what most people would consider successful, we really weren't that happy. Um, we were actually spending most of our waking hours in a cube and we didn't want to do that yeah, much longer. I haven't had a Sunday off in like 10 years. Yeah, never mind a Sunday. <laughs> I haven't had a uh, holiday off in 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's pretty typical in you know, uh, the technology uh, area. But um, I'd say it was about three years ago that we uh, set the goal to retire from our cube jobs early. And uh, at that time, we didn't really know, I'd say, like, what that really meant. Um, I'd say it was probably more on my side um, because, you know, I always thought that we would need some type of a job to sustain us. Um, and I, at the time, really didn't think it was possible to, you know, quit the rat race completely. And uh, it really wasn't until Phi Guy uh, sat me down and showed me uh, blogs by other people who are actually doing it and are living it. Um, and so some of them were, well, I think you started off with Mr. Money Mustache. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so he, he's amazing. Uh, definitely uh, set the, the stage for us. Um, but, you know, there are many others like Millennial Revolution and Financial Samurai. And, you know, once I started looking through that and, uh, you know, he actually was the one to sit down and do the math. 
um, I realized that this crazy dream was possible. And um, so at that point, we really got serious about tracking our income, our expenses. And, you know, we actually sat down and uh, figured out another goal, which most of the folks that we have actually told about it thinks we're actually uh, crazy uh, and that it's not possible. Um, but what we're finding is it is very possible. And so the goal that we're working towards right now uh, is to not only quit our cube job, uh, but we also want to sell all of our stuff, including the house and all of its contents, uh, and travel the world and just do more of what we love through passive investment income. Um, and so today, actually, we're we're pursuing that dream, um, and we're actually less than a year away from quitting our cube jobs and selling our house and starting on our journey. So uh, really, it's a super exciting time for us. Yeah. That's awesome. Before we get too far, what what is your net worth today? Uh, today or last week? I <laughs> got <laughs> yeah, good point. It's changed quite a bit in just one week. Yeah. But. <laughs> so uh, when we did our last status, which was month end January, which was nine days ago or ten days ago, we uh, were just over two point two million. So we just hit the achievement for hitting two point two. Yeah, achievement unlocked, and yeah. then uh, back to locked within. Yeah, 10 days. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we lost about a uh, hundred twenty thousand dollars since then, uh, which is fine because we're not caring about drawing down our principal when we retire. It's all about our passive income stream. So right now we're about two point one million, or just under two point one million. And how is that? broken up so it's broken up uh between our 401ks our hsa roth taxable investments and our uh our home which we own outright and all of our investments are uh in either the s p index about two-thirds uh or one-third in an international non-us index uh, iefa is the is the um is the ticker and that has a lot of um, you know, um, it does not emerging markets. It's more like Japan. I think it's like 25% of it. And we get UK, Britain, France. So more of the developed economies that are a little more stable. So we wanted some exposure outside the US. So that was one that was a low expense uh, ticker that we liked. And it's all about keeping it simple. Our house is worth uh, about $680,000. We bought it outright, meaning we didn't pay um uh, a mortgage or anything like that. We just bought it cash uh, at age. It was the first major goal that we took on with each other um, and we were able to accomplish. And so not necessarily, um, you know, some people would ha would criticize that and say, oh, well, you're not really leveraging, um, you know, through mortgage and you could have been investing that money all the way. We're pretty risk averse, even though we're so highly invested in uh, in stocks, we don't have any bond exposure. But we, uh, we, we felt the need of, okay, let's just avoid the bank and just buy the house outright. And we were able to um, negotiate better terms when we were actually buying houses because we didn't have to deal with the bank. So we might have gotten a better deal. And uh, we bought, what, 2012? Very 2012, Jan yeah. January 2012. Yeah. So that was the bottom of the market, too. So we had been looking for a couple of years leading up to that. Yeah, got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So let's let's discuss that a little bit. Why did you decide to buy a house in all cash? Yeah. So uh, let's see. We. Well, I think the the first thing though, right? We started looking at um, 
you know, what it would actually cost us to take out a mortgage. And I think initially we were actually shocked that you actually had to pay them money uh, up front, um, you know, in, in addition to the interest rates that you would be paying back. And that definitely wasn't something that we uh, were interested in. And, you know, I think also, you know, we were at a point where, you know, we were just saving, you know, for the down payment and we weren't finding anything that we really wanted um, that was in our price range. And so we just kept saving and saving. And <laughs> it was kind of accidental too, yeah. because we got married. <laughs> in, serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we got married after 2008 and we um, had been saving up for a down payment and we were looking for a house, but then the credit crisis hit mm -hmm. and all of a sudden all the house prices started going down. And we always wanted to, you know, we were like, oh, we're going to buy at the bottom. So, or if we're not going to buy at the bottom, then we're going to have to offer real low balls. And we just kept offering low balls and it wasn't really getting us anywhere unless something came up. And we did that over two, three years because it kept on sinking and sinking and sinking. And eventually we did have enough cash on hand to buy something outright. We did look to getting a mortgage at the very beginning, but since our house search was so long mm. and we were just so afraid of like catching a falling, falling knife. It just ended up that we had the cash on hand when it came down to it. And that's when we were able to realize how much negotiating power we would have with a buyer if we were to just say, no banks, all cash, take it or leave it. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I want to come back to the to the house later because you guys kind of mentioned that that's one maybe financial mistake that you've made. Definitely um, a financial mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's come, let's come back to it. But so it's kind of... I want to go back to the the breakout of your net worth. So you're at you know two point two as of as of last week. You have about fifty thousand in checking, yeah, uh, eight hundred in your four hundred one k, about ten k in an HSA, fifty k in Roth, and then about six hundred six twenty in taxable investments. Yeah. Um, for, first of all, how come you've chosen to allocate between the S&P and international just with those two, not necessarily those two funds because you have some work funds as well, but in that manner? Yeah. So I, we're not sophisticated investors and we would never claim to be. And we work 60 plus hours a week. So we're not going to be stock pickers. We're not going to be day traders. We want simplicity. We're not all about beating the market. We're all about mirroring the market. And how best can you do that if you, you know, buy into the S&P index. So we believe long term that the U.S. is going to continue to innovate, is going to continue to grow. There's going to be, uh, um, you know, profitable companies within that index over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, we are focusing on passive income, dividend income. So some people would say, you know, to be that exposed to, uh, to uh, to stocks and indexes in is aggressive, mm. but to us it doesn't feel aggressive because it's split across. It's diversified in the fact that it's five hundred companies. Sure. And has it always been that way since since you started investing? Mm, so since we started investing, we always did it really in our four hundred one ks, and we were matching. Uh, we were actually going maxing out, maxing out like from like age 23, like when we were poor, yeah. <laughs> like when, when we uh, had like incomes of like, you know, under $40,000 mm -hmm. each, we were like, we're going to be poor college kids. We're going to live like poor college kids. And uh, <laughs> so we just froze our spending there. 
while we kept on hustling and growing our income. Right. But I think initially, though, I mean, I know myself, I, I've always been so risk averse. And, you know, I didn't, I, I was almost afraid of losing money and, and putting it into the stock market. So yeah. that early on, I, you know, even though I was maxing out my 401k, I was really all in money markets, right? And yeah. so I knew that, okay, I'm get, you know, I knew the tax implications. So, yep, definitely max out the 401k, getting your company matching. But or that early on, I was still afraid to pull that trigger and actually get into the market. And it wasn't until I'd say much later, I mean, several years later, where, you know, I recognized that I had lost such a huge opportunity to yeah. make money um, because I didn't invest. So, yeah. So initially, I think we, I had a different strategy because I, you know, I just didn't have that, you know, level of comfort. And I guess it's a lot of it was just education and understanding of how it all yeah. worked. We didn't sure. A taxable investment account before 2012. So that six hundred thousand dollars, that's all like what we put in after 2012. Okay. So, okay. Um, before that, when we were saving for the house, we didn't want to invest the money that we were going to put towards the house. So we were in money market accounts, and at the time, the it was savings accounts, right? Yeah. The, the, the savings. Yeah. Investments. Yeah. They were like, I think we at one point we maxed out like five point five percent or something. And who did you go through for that? Just curious. Oh, we used um, a company Something called local? Immigrant Direct. Immigrant Direct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they they had they were very high, and it was like all electronic. We just traded back and forth between our checking to there, and um, you know, it was very favorable terms at the time. And by the time we were buying the house, it was down to like one percent. Right. So wow. Um, but you know, we wanted to be liquid because we wanted to be able to cash out and and uh, put it towards the house when a deal struck. Right. So how many years ago then did you say, okay, this is going to be my allocation, S&P and international index funds. This is what we're going to go at 100%. When did that start? I think that was around 2012-ish. Yeah, when okay. We so for the last five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, we and just, then is, is that 401k, is that, is that Roth? Is that after tax or pre-tax 401ks? I'm not sure what your company offers. Yeah, it's all, it's all uh, pre-tax. And then... If, your, your Roth, have you guys maxed out your Roth from year to year, or, or what's been your we your uh, opinion on that? So we weren't really all that savvy about Roth because we were making a pretty high income, so we didn't know about um, uh, backdoor uh, uh, Roth, uh, yeah. backdoor conversions into a Roth, and we started doing that over the last four years. Okay, I see. So you had phased out of, of the, the Roth limits there. Yeah, so once we figured out the backdoor trick, we uh, started... Uh, leveraging it right and so what's been you know what's been your either your range of income from when you started till now or maybe how much you've saved uh month to month from when you started till now and how has that affected obviously tremendously your your ability to grow your investments yeah so i wouldn't say that our net worth is is really been influenced by our investment strategy until the last few years it's been mostly on our high savings rates so we started off you know, uh, making just under 40K uh, 15 plus years ago. Mm. And we didn't even get jobs in our field. Okay. So we, we were in technology background, but we got jobs in like finance and accounting. And um, so we had to pivot and transition into technology so we could get higher paying, paying jobs. Um, we also worked our way up the, the, the ladder to get into middle management jobs. And uh, so we, are now both combined, we're making over two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars as a couple. 
Um, so, but we're spending like we did 15 years ago. So our spending rate is probably our savings rate is like between 75 and 80 percent, and it's been pretty consistent. So even though we're you know making over 250, we're spending about 40,000 a year. Yeah, and we don't feel like we're missing out on anything. You know, we're still able to take uh, vacations. So we we talk a lot about our value cruising and just mm -hmm. finding um, you know inexpensive ways to you know, still enjoy life and do all the things that we, we, we love. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice if you, you become accommodated to it. And what's really important to you from a value perspective, you go for, but you can't have everything, you know, so you go for what's important. And plus we work so much, we don't have time to <laughs> enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything outside of work. <laughs> you're either spending money or you're earning money, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've shared with us that you've got a little bit of student loan debt. How how come you haven't just paid that off when you've been growing your wealth? Yeah. So on this, I mean, so the student loan front, my uh, and and that's actually right now all of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I do actually hope to pay that off this year and become completely debt free. But uh, it we have such a, a low um, interest rate on that that it, it actually the money that we would be using to pay it off is actually better spent and invested. Um, so one point nine percent. I think it's actually lower than that. Really? What is it like uh, one point five percent? So yeah, it's it's incredibly low. Um, anything that I couldn't consolidate at the time, um, I was uh, I did pay off right away. Um, and just left those that you know yeah. could consolidate into a much lower uh, interest rate. Mathematically, it makes sense to keep it. Emotionally, it'd be nice to just get rid of it, and we probably yes. will just do that this year. You know, before like, just to check the box, to yeah. say no debt whatsoever. Interesting. So, take us back to the conversation that that Fi Guy had with you when he said, "Hey, you know, I want to do this early retirement thing." What, what went through your mind and kind of how did that conversation go between the two of y'all? Yeah, I mean, initially when he first, um, you know, brought it up, I, I didn't actually think it was possible. It was something that I always dreamed of, um, but I always thought that we had to have some type of job to rely on and to sustain us. Yeah, so so the first half of our, our, our marriage, I guess, <laughs> we had this huge goal of getting this house, okay? And that goal ended up becoming grander and grander to, you know, actually, I think the first time I mentioned, why don't we just buy the house cash? Oh, I thought it was crazy, completely yeah. crazy. <laughs> I was like, like, we can get there. At our rate of saving, we can get there within a year and a half or two years, like from when we, we did it, when we uh, came up with that goal. And and when I plotted it all out, she was like, yeah, you're right. The math does work out. Then we bought the house. And then after we bought the house, we're like, okay, now what? We got this house and we, what is our next big thing yeah, we're going we for? We're working like crazy, accumulating all this money on the side. Right. What are we going to do next? Yeah. What, what are we actually working for, yes. working towards? So we thought early retirement and we were toying around for probably like two or three years, like really like, okay, we're accumulating, we're accumulating, accumulating, we're getting better investing strategies, but what are we going to do when we ultimately finish or what is going to be our passive income stream? So we toyed with different ideas like, oh, what if we bought an apartment building and had rental income? <laughs> what if we bought a strip mall and like, you know, uh, went that route or we're, I think we we're even going in like, oh, these parking garages in, in this <laughs> yeah. major city, they're, they're, they're making a racket. Why don't we just buy a parking garage? So we were just thinking really outside the box. Yeah, but those things all felt like jobs to us, right? And yeah. Yeah. 
And, and our passion really is travel. You know, even though we don't get much time off every year, that's something that we just really look forward to. And we did meet in Australia for six months. We backpacked up the East Coast. Best and, time of our lives. Yeah. So part of this is trying to recreate that freedom of, of, of not being tacked down in one spot and going around the world. So I think I introduced the idea like that. And she's like, well, how do we do it? And then I started getting into, uh, I started sending her articles from, from Money Mustache. Yeah. And, and actually, I think I just, you know, literally binge read um, Money Mustache's blog um, from, the very from the very beginning in the course of a weekend. And, you know, I thought it was amazing. Like, here's someone who's actually done it and they're living it. Um, but, you know, how can we make this work for us? And so then we started, you know, really seriously tracking everything and laying it out on paper. And um, actually, Fi Guy went and uh, looked through all of these different scenarios in terms of like, here's, you know, how we can actually make this a reality in, you know, different places that we could go travel and, you know, how we would actually make it work. And on paper, it actually works. Yeah. And well, the other thing is we're, we're super conservative in the standpoint. <laughs> we realize that right now we are at our earnings peak from a W-2 perspective. Okay. We are um, very well compensated for what we do, but it's a technology field and you have to stay up to date. If we were to pull the trigger on this and, and quit our jobs and three years later, five years later, change our minds, there is no way we're going to be compensated at the same level and pick up where we left off unless we were updating our skills all along the way. So for us, we really want to have a passive income stream that could that will exceed what our spend plan is. And uh, so we'll never have to worry about it. And part of that is never touching the principal. A lot of people talk about um, the 4% rule. We're going for a 2.5% rule. Uh, simply because that's what we're going to target as our dividend slash interest mm. passive income. That's what we're comfortable with. Yes. But I mean, 4% could work and mathematically, like it should work. But for us, we just want to hedge in multiple ways because you never know how much our spending might increase because of random health issues or uh, whether or not we uh, want to change and pivot and not be full-time travelers and settle down somewhere. So. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up being in the technology field. Do you have any fear that maybe 10 years down the road you might get bored of doing something or maybe you've been to every country in the world and, and you're like, hey, maybe I do want to go back into the field and then what do you do? Has that kind of crossed your mind or, or have you kind of said, hey, I'm doing this, I'm full in, we're going to do this thing and I'm not touching my principal ever and I'm going to make it work no matter what? Yeah, so that I think the biggest risk in our plan is that because obviously when our big goal was to uh, buy the house, buy the house, yeah, we thought that we were, we were going to be just perfectly happy and content with that, and then it was like, now what? Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> maybe part of it with us is having something big to shoot for, and what's bigger than retiring before forty and traveling to every country in the world that you can think of uh, full time and selling all your possessions. Uh, but when we actually accomplish that, I think that's a risk. We might need something bigger than that. And, um, but we'll have all the time in the world to figure that out. Absolutely. So have you thought about kind of, you mentioned real estate earlier. Have you thought about investing in real estate or maybe small business to kind of help sub supplement some of these passive income streams or, or how come you've chosen to stick solely with the market? So 
A lot of it is the uh, simplicity of not being attached to something brick and mortar and having to worry about being a landlord um, or paying a, uh, another agency to manage a property for us. Uh, it just, it just, if we're in a different time zone on the other side of the world in Southeast Asia and have to worry about, um, you know, roof problems or a flood or, you know, a hurricane coming towards some property or bad tenants or having to fill um, the uh, fill with new tenants. Um, it, uh, we just didn't want that anxiety where we looked at the um, looking at investments as being the easiest and it's kind of lazy. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, you can in invest, you know, from anywhere in the world. Right. And it's, it's yeah. definitely much easier to manage Remotely. Uh, remotely. Uh, though there are certainly other ways when you're looking at real estate that you can invest in real estate uh, from also anywhere in the world. But I think at this time, it's what we're comfortable with. Right. Yeah. But over time, I think, you know, our strategy may change. Right. So we're certainly as we move along, we're going to have to reevaluate as yeah. the market changes and, you know, as our, our plan may change as well. And yeah. We'll have to pivot. So, I mean, obviously, like the market has some jitters right now because um, the bond rates are going up. And uh, from a yield perspective, and that's actually making it attractive. So when we do sell our house, we're going to have about 600K worth of, of money to reinvest into the market. And that's how we're going to sure up our two and a half percent yield. And some of that could go into bonds if it's, you know, obviously above two and a half percent, which which it may a year from now or a year and a half from now. And, um, you know, and we may end up jumping into more of like a high dividend um, ETF. I'm not sure yet, but those are things that we can figure out as we get closer to pulling the trigger. Sure, sure. So now I want to go back to that house thing. You called buying this house one of your biggest financial, if not your biggest financial mistakes. So, so talk about that a little bit. You don't often hear that. Right. Yeah. And uh, still, when we tell people that until they actually see the math that we did and uh, it they still don't believe us that it, it truly was our biggest financial mistake. Um, and so actually, so Fi Guy, again, he, he was actually inspired by a series of articles written by some other financial independent bloggers. Um, and I think it was actually a millennial revolution, yeah. which made him question our home ownership decision. And so he went again and, and did the math. And uh, when he laid it out in front of me, I was actually shocked. Again, it was one of those eye-opening moments where it turns out if we had taken our, uh, our money that had been our mar money market accounts at that time and bought into the same index allocation that we're in right now, we would already be retired and traveling the world. Uh, and in fact, um, we would have actually gained well over $400,000 versus the estimated uh, what, like 90K that we'll make at the sale of this house. And, and actually, that was the time of writing that article. I believe now it would be closer to about 600K. Um, and so even though we bought our house at the bottom of the market back in uh, 2012, uh, the appreciation still doesn't make up for what we would have made had we invested in the stock market. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it, it was just a really eye-opening experience for, you know, for both of us. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we bought it at 500 and like in four years later, it's, it's like 680, you know? So it was, we did buy at the bottom and it did go up, but it just didn't go up nearly as much as 
as other assets could have. Right. And uh, we just had a fundamental truth instilled with us since we were kids that the best investment you can make is is, is in your real own estate. Home. Yeah. Why rent when you can you can buy and, and, and own? You're paying you're paying your uh, your landlord's uh, mortgage, right. um, but it, it, you also don't make any money off your house. We have six hundred and eighty k that doesn't pay us dividends. That uh, water heaters break, you know. <laughs> that uh, garage doors fall off. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we're also. I mean, I, I think we prefer to be sort of more nomads, right? We we feel like we kind of bought ourselves a chore. <laughs> so with the amount of hours that we work every week in our in our current jobs. The last thing we want to do is come home and uh, clean a, a house or do the lawn, right? Or shovel uh, snow yeah. or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had grandiose plans of hosting all these parties for our friends and family. And like, like I think we might have people over like once or twice a year because we're always working. Yeah. <laughs> so we got 2,700 square foot that we use like 500 of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so when did you realize that and then after realizing it how come you didn't say hey well let's sell the house and rent or or downsize well and part of it is the the cost the transaction costs involved with selling a house too so i mean realtors take their cut you know you have to pay taxes to the state for actually changing the ownership uh you have to uh you know uh, deal with the you know legal fees and uh, it's it's also a very time-consuming process to be able to sell when you're working, um, demanding jobs that where you're always on call. Yeah, and and also that realization didn't happen that long ago, right? I mean, yeah. maybe a, a year year or two ago, we actually sat down and did that math and said, "Well, wait a minute here." Yeah, so the realization actually led to this plan because we were like, "Okay, how can we do this faster? How can we travel the world?" Well, we didn't have a place. You know, if we had this assets making money for us, this house making money for us as part of dividends and as part of our investments, then we could get there faster. That's $600,000 less that we have to save to get to the point where we'll have enough passive income to sustain us. And then all the taxes that we pay, the property taxes we pay on the house and all of the, um, you know, the, 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 the heating bills to keep it, even if we weren't here, we'd still have to heat it and we'd still have to worry about it if we were overseas have somebody check in on it. So what advice, you know, we kind of talked about mistakes. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, either starting their careers or maybe at your age, you know, what what's worked best for you and how have you guys been able to be so financially successful? Yeah. And so I think we actually have a, a laundry list of things and uh, they're all things that we wish we could go back and tell ourselves when we were like 16 years old. So we could maybe do things a little bit different. And uh, actually we would have already been uh, retired by now, but you know, I think uh, to start, uh, you know, a couple that I can think of are, you know, one, if you're not tracking all of your expenses, start now. Um, you know, I really think that's the best way to, you know, understand, you know, what are you spending and, you know, is, are you spending it on things that are, are really value added? Um, and I'd also say, you know, max out your 401k um, from early on. Um, you know, one, to ensure you're getting the most out of your company matching. Uh, it is free money. Um, and also that you're taking advantage of, you know, any of, uh, you know, the, the from a tax component as well. And don't be afraid to invest because uh, I certainly was. And again, looking back, I realized that I, I lost out on a lot of opportunity there because I was so afraid of investing, uh, you know, so early on. Uh, if I got, what, what do you got? Well, I mean, freezing your, 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 uh, your spending. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the big thing for us is that we made things automatic. 
Okay, so let's say I get a 5% raise or 10% promotion throughout my career. I pretend I never even got it. I would just up my, uh, my uh, you know, pull it out of my checking account with my paycheck coming in, automatic uh, withdrawals, putting into an account that I can't touch. And we were tracking our, our, our uh, spending on an Excel spreadsheet back in the day. <laughs> I dug up one of those and I was like, wow, we're spending the same amount in raw dollars not even caring about inflation than we were when we were 25 than we're spending right now. Uh, so the other thing is you should self-teach yourself things, okay? Like you should understand tax law. You should understand investing. You should understand personal finance. I know those aren't like sexy topics to go learn, but there's so much out there. You can They don't teach you this stuff in school. We went to business school, so we had a little bit of a leg up. Um, and we also ended up working in an in industry supporting finance and investing um, from the technology angle. But most of the things that came with personal finance, we just learned free online by reading blogs. And obviously, not everyone's blog is going to match your particular situation. We cherry picked different things uh, from other other blogs to come up with a strategy that works for us. Um, also, don't follow the crowd make your own decisions just because everyone that you know had followed a particular strategy means it's still the correct strategy in this generation so um and then knowing that uh yeah real estate and starting a business isn't the only way to grow your wealth we worked corporate jobs hustled climbed the corporate ladder and um, we were able to accumulate over two million dollars in 15 years and actually, I mean, so the first million, I think, actually took us 10 years because we weren't super, super focused on the strategy. But the last million only took, what, three years? Well, money makes money. So yeah. that, that does help. <laughs> yeah. So that, that would be another one is knowing money makes money. Wow. Good for you guys. So let me just ask one last question here. How has it been, you know, working together and being on the same page financially in your relationship, how has that helped helped you both in your relationship and growing your investments versus maybe other times when you weren't or if you see people that that aren't? How has that helped you guys be so successful? Oh, I, I think it's been huge. I mean, really, you know, we, we're here to support each other. We also challenge each other quite a bit. But, um, you know, being on the same page, um, you know, with, you know, the approach that you want to take, your long-term goals, your short-term goals, I mean, it really just makes things so much easier. Um, but, you know, we've always kept each other, you know, pretty honest, uh, you know, and I think, again, we've always challenged each other in, in terms of being able to think outside the box and, you know, really setting tangible goals that, you know, we're both working towards. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, even just having like a shared Mint account and having every, we, we use uh, rewards cards on all our purchases. In fact, we like, won't even like go to certain vendors if they are cash only because <laughs> we want to be able to track it and know where we are we're at and so we're seeing each other's stuff the whole way through and we're keeping each other honest from the budgeting perspective and it uh you know i think with that you know like that that helps us because we're like we're always questioning like oh if i'm gonna buy this thing what, what is what is five girl gonna <laughs> yeah, think about yeah yeah five guys gonna see this purchase <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so. it, i think it's really important to be able to talk about finances um you know what, what you're spending your money on your what you're investing and have shared goals um i mean really it's it's i think good for a relationship i know it can can feel a little uh yucky at times, but it certainly uh, added to um, the ability of for us to be successful. Yeah, it really is a momentum game by being on the same page. Absolutely. If, we're, if one of us wasn't all in on this, it wouldn't happen. 
Yeah, that's great. So when you all retire here, I'm sure you've got the list. Where are the top five places you all are going to travel to? <laughs> so we're think we're, we, we like traveling slow. Yeah. Okay. There is a lot a, of um, benefits to not having to worry about traveling like on a particular weekend or, you know, being able to just be flexible for the flights. Um, something that we're, we're really interested in doing is uh, uh, cruise travel. Uh, something we, we brand as uh, value cruising where you don't start and end in the same port. You can actually do a transatlantic cruise or a transpacific cruise and you will get fed the whole way. And it could be very similar to the price of a flight to Australia if you do a transpacific for 30 days. So we, uh, you know, I think we want to go to Australia for like six yeah. months. Yeah, we, we definitely have to get back to Australia, which is where we met. We'd yep. love to go there yep. along we, with New Zealand, which yes. we never made it to. We want to spend, um, you know, six months in Southern Europe, um, you know, maybe do, uh, do Italy, do Spain, do Portugal. Uh, we also want to go to Southeast Asia. Uh, we've heard great things about, uh, you know, Thailand, Singapore, uh, uh, Malaysia, that area. And uh, we would definitely like to do world cruises, you yeah. know, to be able to go through the, the, the Middle East from Southeast Asia to uh, Southern Europe. So, yeah, I don't think we can name just a top five because they're just we want to see it all. We just want to soak it all up. And, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of our strategy is going to focus on that whole value cruising idea. Um, and spending a lot of time, um, you know, going in between ports on a, a boat. Yeah, I think I think many of our plans that we mapped out that were like for a full year straight, we had over a third of the days at sea because we just love the ocean. So. Awesome. Where can people get in touch with you? So you can find us on social media in a few different ways. So we have our blog uh, at fiheroes.com, um, but we're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So you just look for the handle, fiheroes. Good stuff. Five guy and five girl net worth around $2.2 million. Savings rate up over 70% over the last 15 years. Thanks for coming on the show today. Great. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. us. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Thanks care. for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.